0: You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue Michael! Michael?
1: Uh, oui, Monsieur Pru? Oh, très bien, on
0: va débrouiller en français. Uh, premièrement, avant de commencer, cette podcast, cette baladeau, uh, est... Sponsored I don't know the French word for sponsor. Val Par Valdoka. Yeah. Le meilleur prosecco pour les deux gars qui parvient.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, obviously I guess we, we should
0: do that in English to make sure we're hitting our contractual
1: obligations. Co- correct. So, uh, yes, we are uh, sponsored by Valdoka, uh, a wine, um, a prosecco, actually, that, uh, that, we, that we do uh, endorse as being a good wine because, you know, we tasted it live on the podcast and we should do it again we should
0: we, we should do it again. um before the end of the year did you watch shit I used to love oh yes yes I-, I want watching. us to pull the script from when moira rose does the commercial for the fruit wine oh yes actually i looked that up and you can find it on youtube i, I want us to like recreate that script for valduka and um hopefully they'll be in on the joke but i think it'd be really funny if you and i did our best moira rose impressions
1: well uh, obviously they uh they want it for a canadian audience so maybe uh, the canadian that's canadians will get it because you know obviously Shit's creek was a a canadian program that seems to have um even crossed the border let's say
0: oh i love listening to americans talk about shit creek because here's the thing is like i still remember when the show first started being a little critical of some of the production value. Like, the writing was great. The cast is incredible. But, like, to me, the music still drives me nuts. Like,
1: it feels like, you know... Oh, it was supposed to be some kind of backwater kind of... Wah, 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 wah. Like, I could do that on a Casio,
0: like, on the toilet while one of the washroom sorry if that's too crass for some of the people apparently we
1: get criticized for being too crass sometimes we do um monsieur prou oui. uh, uh, j'étais dans uh, le loire uh, pour les fuck i don't know what previous is I ah, pour les whilst.
0: derniers. Alors, alors, alors tu étais dans le Loire pour les derniers. Comme si tu étais là. Pour quoi? Comme une semaine, une semaine. Yeah, you were in the Loire Valley for a week. Yeah, and I was. Dude, you're fr- I, I know I rip on you for like French. That was
1: that's pretty damn good. Yes, I, you know, it's really funny because um, I have also noticed that when I'm in Italy and I'm speaking, uh, trying to speak Italian, I, f- I, I fill in the words I don't know in Italian with French. I do that too. And it's really funny. So, um, and, and I've been called out on that because I, I said something to somebody at one point and they looked at me and went, was that French? Well, like, I mean, that's kinda. it. It's like when I get into a, a taxi
0: in Italy and I'm like not in Rome, like the couple times I've been there, I try English, Francais, and it's just like, I hope, I just hope I get to my
1: destination. So like, like we have here a franglaise. Yeah. Like, what is that? Is that uh Free Frontalia? I don't know. All right. So you were in the Loire Valley, I and what? you specifically did
0: a trip uh, around Cab Franc. Correct.
1: And and, 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 and again, I'm, thanks to Sapexa for uh, for getting me on uh, on that trip, because I had been in the Loire Valley earlier this year for their Melisim, yes. which is where they do their... It's kind of like an Antiprima, but uh, a little bit different. Um, and I, I'm really looking forward to what you have to say because um,
0: I went to the Loire Valley last summer. While my wife was pregnant, but Guillaume and I, one of my business partners in the ADX Wine Company, Sugar we went blood. to we went to the Loire Valley looking for inspiration. Because, like, as everybody who listens to this podcast knows, like, as Captain Chardonnay, and like, as me, and also like, just as a fan of Ontario, every time I leave the uh, every time I leave Burgundy, I've been there like three times. I've been to Beaujolais a couple times. I, I leave both Beaujolais and Burgundy profoundly inspired at the potential of what we can do in ontario and i know i know in the last podcast or in the podcast that we did about alto adj uh we were fairly critical of the entry level point of ontario but when we get to that top point the people who are making the best of the best in ontario i think we're really we're really killing it with pinot noir and chardonnay and gamay in particular
1: are we going to see a gamay or a cab franc from adx at some point
0: um definitely Definitely, we will, but it's not going to be this year. So I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really subscribed. You and I are both like really like subscribed to like I don't ever want to see Syrah disappear from Ontario. No, like when you taste like what uh, what R R eight one does, what Cassaba does, what Creekside does, like that's fine. But the list is pretty short of the people who knock it out of the park every year. I don't ever want to see Merlot completely disappear. You know, it's the reason to visit Peninsula Ridge. I,
1: I, I think. I think as our our region uh, Ontario starts to mature, we will see more and more people develop the uh, the notion and the idea of what Cave Spring did, which the you know no more no more great hospitals. hospitals. Yeah, um, they're going to start narrowing it down, and yes, they're going to be. You know, like the Creekside, you know, Syrah vineyard that they they seem to have found a place for. It. Yeah,
0: let let the outliers keep doing it, but you know. we
1: are going to pare down to those five. That
0: it's it's my favorite thing. The music, I, I love the reference because it's from music, um, the Eastern European music, the mighty handful of which, like Rimsky-Korsakov, was a part of. But the mighty handful for Ontario is Riesling, Chardonnay, Gamay, Pinot Noir, Cab Franc, and Cabernet Franc. So when I visited the Loire Valley, I'm going to let you do all the talking because I know for a change I'm talking over you. But all the talking, I'll just drink. Uh, we were in Saumur, and we visited like we visited a good half dozen producers. I was on vacation, so we didn't only did two producers a day. We didn't do. I'm guessing you did three or four producers a day while you were there.
1: Uh, so it was a, it was a different kind of trip. <laughs> um, so we started out, uh, in Chinon. Wait. Oui? Uh, and then we. But oh,
0: wait, sorry. Let me just finish my finish my point. You, like you did two or three wineries a day. Like you didn't, or three or four wineries
1: a day. You didn't. Whether we no, uh, not necessarily did we do wineries as much as we did regions and region specific tastings. Okay, cool. We did
0: Chinon. We were based in Saumur and I left the place looking for inspiration, and I I left the Loire Valley a little disappointed. Because I felt that the people in Ontario who are making really good Cabernet Franc are already doing it. They're yeah. already doing it on the level that they're doing it in France. And this yeah. is one where... Like, have you and I failed? Like, why Why isn't the market ready
1: to drink these wines? Why are not the market more excited for these wines? Uh, well, Cab Franc is one of those grape varieties that people don't know about. And I say that because... The trip I was on had Americans and Canadians. And the interesting part about that was, as we were tasting through Cabernet Franc, the Americans were wide-eyed about this as a single varietal, whereas Ontarians were like, yeah, I see it and? all the time. <laughs> yeah, like, I get it, you know. Um, and so, so, yeah, we did Chinon. And now, uh, so this is uh, a... a uh, a, uh, an event that was held by Interloire. Now, Interloire takes th- you know three regions of the four that are within the Loire Valley. Sancerre has kind of gone off on their own, so we we don't deal with that, and we wouldn't have anyway because you know there's not a lot of Cabernet Franc there. So we're looking at uh, Anjou, we're looking at the Chinon, we're looking at Saumur... And Burgoy has just actually entered back into Interloir. So the nice part is we also got to taste the wines from Burgoy, And then the best part of it is we are going to have a winemaker come in. Uh, we are going to talk to him in November. I'm excited. And um, I'm re- I really love Xavier. His wines were great. But... Um,
0: yeah, we don't need to bury the lead.
1: There's a reason we're having him on. You and
0: I had a really, I think, in- inspired conversation about having him on. The reason we're having him on, but like, I'm looking forward to that. Just this appointment, listening.
1: So, so, let's start here. So, Chinon is the most known region of the Loire Valley. Sells the most Cabernet Franc. And I'm not going to bury the lead. They were the worst Cabernet Franc I tasted on this trip. Why? What What was bad about it? Green. You know, lots of tomato stock. Lots, it was like drinking green salad. A lot of their... They have not yet in Chinon figured out that ripe fruit is good fruit and that picking it early and... Uh, they, they are... I remember working for Southbrook in the early two thousands and and when we were tasting or we were we had this two thousand and two um basically it was mainly it was it was Southbrook red and it was mainly Cabernet Franc and it tasted like green bell pepper. And I could sell bottles and bottles of that because people love it when they can smell and taste what you're telling them. Some people, as you know, when you're saying, oh, there's lots of ripe fruit and blah, 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 they go, I don't get that. But everybody got bell pepper out of it. It smelled like bell pepper. It tasted like bell pepper. And people absolutely loved it because they could get that flavor. out. It was the reason why Chardonnay from, from California was so popular is because people could get butter and they could get oak. And they were like, yes, I get it. That's why I'm going to buy it. But that's not what Chardonnay is. And that's not what Cabernet Franc is. So she, so we, did a, we went to the, like, basically, for lack of a better term, the consortium. I use always Italian terms because, you know, that's kind of where my base is. Uh, we went to the consortium of Chinon. Uh, it's their new headquarters, basically. And they had us taste... 37 Chinon Cabernet Franc blind. The The, the interesting part of this was um, when we were there, the top two wines were the wineries we were going to visit. So it's a blind tasting. Nobody knew what they were. At the end, they were revealed. And What were the wineries? Uh, uh, Domaine de Mariniere and uh, Chateau de la Grille. Marignier actually had the top two wines. So the top, like of the top three, Marignier had the top two. Albre-Mort, you would have loved their labels. I'm going to show you their labels after. Dead tree. Um, and the other one was. Sorry,
0: sorry when you say when you say top, like was Le it was, was, was it the de Ours was the other one? Oh, the skin of the bear. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. The okay. The yeah.
1: Po- okay. Um, and they had labels that you would have loved absolutely. I can't,
0: I can't wait to see them. Um sorry, how did you decide these were the best, like, was this like a blind tasting with blind all the tasting. journalists, and,
1: so, and it was similar
0: to, like, what we did in Alto yeah, IDJ with the Bordeaux varieties and the Opus 1, which sucked, Yeah, so there's,
1: so there's basically nine journalists, and um, yeah, it was nine journalists sitting at a table, and basically, we got, they, they had some 22, some 21, they skipped, uh, some 20, 20, they skipped 19, 18 is supposed to be this great vintage out there, and they had one 2017, which was terrible and basically the 2022 top wine was from Domaine de Marignel and then the 2021 was also the Arbre More which both wines were really really good really juicy really fruit forward but of these 37 wines and I counted them up the next day 12 were ripe drinkable really fantastic wines everything else had some kind of vegetative note, tomato leaf, tomato uh, all stock. All right, all right. Just so so, so on,
0: on, on one hand, I'm agreeing with you because that was my impression from what I experienced in the Loire in, in summer yeah, specifically. But, but
1: that's but this is Chinon.
0: Okay, you're just talking about Chinon in in, in particular. The, the question I have for you, because this is the thing I'm trying to keep in mind when we write, and I mean it's the thing about being wine journalists based in Ontario, is... The regionality of palettes is something very important. Like, I, I think you and I both have fairly strong feelings about Californian Pinot Noir, and I use that as a catchall because there is some really good Californian Pinot yes, Noir.
1: The, the, if you go to Monterey, you're going to get some, and that's, some but, classic but it, Pinot, Noir.
0: but it, it's few and far between. Like, even a lot of like the Russian River Pinot Noir is like. Hot, extracted, 14.5%, juicy, yes. tastes more like a Bordeaux variety than it does like Pinot Noir. Yep. So the, the point I'm trying to make, though, is are we in a situation where, like, while they brought international journalists into the Loire Valley, is it just the French like to drink underripe Cab Franc? Like, I, do you think these people had trouble selling their wines? Or, well, like, did you even get there with the questions? I didn't get there with that kind of
1: question, but then I, I'm, i like, we moved to Bourgois. Okay? Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's that's where we met Xavier, who we're gonna see on the podcast. We're gonna taste some of his wines. I'm looking forward to your reaction from them. Bourgoy has figured it out. Oh,
0: I'm 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 very aware. I'm looking at the the wine bottles I have on my wall as decoration and Catherine and Pierre Breton is one of my favorite producers, and the Nuit d'Ivresse in particular, which translates to Drunken nights. so you'll probably never see that bottle on the shelf <laughs> of the LCBO. But my wife and I, we buy that every chance we get. It's Borgoy. Um We experienced it for the first time at a restaurant in Paris called La Yet. We bought it because it was literally the second cheapest wine on the menu, and we both got duck.
1: Wait, did you get duck on you?
0: No, I, I had duck for you she got goose.
1: Ba-dum-bum. Ding. All right.
0: I don't get the joke. But anyways, we bought it because it was the second cheapest wine on the menu. You've never played duck-duck-goose? Oh,
1: gotcha. I thought you were making a butt joke. No. No. It was not a bud joke. So we tasted. Uh, we had we, uh, that one was a lunch that we tasted five winemakers' wines uh, from the Burgundy region, uh, and uh, I think it's uh, Saint Nicolas or Burgoy de Saint Nicolas. And um, each winemaker had five wine. Sorry, three wines, except for one guy who had two. And all I can say is, thank God he only had two, because they were the weedy ones. Do you want to throw the producer's name out there? I or? will not. No, you're gonna no. Since when but did if you learn you were, to behave? But if, but if you were there, you know. And if he's listening, you know who you are. Okay, okay. Uh, let but me ask you, but, but you... what I'm saying is, the other not that he he looked like the oldest of the winemakers. Isn't that usually the case? And the other guys, not that you're going to look at Xavier and go. What a spring chicken he is because he's all gray hair. But I mean, like he looked like old school winemaker versus the other guys who were newer generation and like ripe fruit, beautiful fruit. Like it was hard not to like all of these wines except for the two. Like, But, you know, there were some that stood heads and tails above and there were the ones that sat you know, flat on the ground. But they were really ripe, beautiful, um, for lack of a better term, they were like, like, like they were sexy cab francs. Like you really wanted to just dive into the glass and just keep drinking. Can, can we just clarify, since we're trying to be more
0: progressive, that when you say sexy, you're talking in a gender neutral term, right? Correct.
1: Correct. But I'm like, I'm like, they were wines that, like, when I sat down at the table, I made sure that my three favorites were in front of me. Okay, I, I just need
0: a quick aside in there because, like I said, Bourgois was put on the radar for me by Catherine and Pierre Breton. Were they part of this? Did you get to taste their wines?
1: I did not. Uh-huh. Well, that sucks. You know what? I, I Look, we're there in...
0: No, I get it. You, you taste who's there and the people who want to take part
1: take part. And, but on the other hand, you've got to remember, it's October they're still harvesting. Some of these guys were either in the middle of harvesting or just coming to the end.
0: Oh, man, they must be pissed at the organization who planned the event at this so, time.
1: Well, from my understanding is they're late this year. So when it was planned, the theory was that they were going to be done. So Weird, because like, Burgundy was early this year. So, that's the thing. So, cool. what, so a couple of them were done. Some of them were, were going to be done by Friday. Like, we were there on, like, a Wednesday. Um, and some of them were, you know, said... Because uh, I have, you know, plots in other parts of the loire We're not going to be done until, like, we have another week. Uh, one guy, actually, the where we where we were, um, he had just finished that, that morning. So, it was really interesting. He was... He, he had... I said to him, "So you must be, you know, pretty happy that you're done." He goes, "Give me two more weeks, right?" So, you know, he wanted everything to get in the tank and obviously start yep. fermenting and everything yep. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Then from from uh, from Bourguet, we moved on to Samur, and I'm sorry you had a bad experience in Smeur. Uh
0: No, no, no. Let me let me clarify. I I, I didn't say bad. I just said underwhelming because, like you said, like when I go to Beaujolais and I visit Dominique Piron. And when I go to Burgundy and I visit Roche de Bolaine and I visit uh, Bergeret et Fille, these are places that are making supremely affordable wines that make me excited to come back to Ontario to my little wine business and be like, you know what? We're not there yet. We're, we're, we have a long way to go and we're going to keep doing this every year until we hit that benchmark because these people are making delicious affordable wines out of pinot noir, chardonnay and gamay. When I visited Saumur, the producers that I visited were a lot of it was a lot of yeah, this is good but like 25 euros a bottle. I'd rather drink Brian Schmidt's wines for 15 bucks Canadian and like that happened a lot. Like with the exception of the of the Breton family when I was there, like I, I was Pining for Ontario Cab Franc while I was there. So, but but it, but it wasn't. Just, it was a learning experience. The wines were
1: good. One of my one of the big selling features for me for this trip was a place called Cimeux Prix Notre Dame, which is a very small. I'm so proud of you. You learned to speak French. <laughs> it's a very and I still, for the life of me, cannot figure because I it's 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 you know. It's a region that I think can grow to, you know, 1,100 hectares, and that's all this region is going to be. Um, they have 55 producers right now, you know, less. I, I don't even know if they got an acre each or a hectare each. It's very hard to understand this small plot of land. Although we did one morning go up to a vineyard in pe notre Dame and to tell you the truth it really looked like uh, Coturon all this rocky soil like really really just rocks that radiate heat back onto the grapes um, obviously part of Semur, but it's it's a sub region that we I here's where I you know want to again smack the LCBO a hundred times about the head going you should be finding these wines for vintages cuz but they're not going to because they're just the FNL CBO
0: they um, want to play they want to play it safe the thing is
1: like like but I was, they, these are, these are wines that are so super fantastic that the, it, it, you know what I I want to it puts us it puts us as a region in Ontario to shame because yep. they really have figured out how to make complex wines from great soils um well it's 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 a thing too where if, if i can take a, a side
0: quest from this conversation this is where i think there's room for p- more privatization in ontario the, the the lcbo has a function the lcbo does what the lcbo does what the lcbo does and um i mean it serves its purpose like if you want a place to get Camus. I guess I've decided to replace Yellowtail as my whipping boy with... Um, with Camus. With Camus, But if you want to get Caymus, like fill your boots. Let the LCBO sell a million cases of Camus. But if you and I want to get small producer Chino, how does it hurt the LCBO to let Michael open up a wine shop in St. Catharines? That's Michael's wine shop.
1: They're still going to get their tax money. and will get think, it. And I think...
0: And, uh, it'll, and it'll be up to you to run the business and cover the overhead of I having your BC own shop. I think BC has
1: proved it. I think Alberta has proved it even more. They make more money per capita, per capita, because everybody goes. Oh well, the LCBO makes more tax dollars. Of course, they make more tax dollars. They have a bigger base. Yep. But I mean, per capita, Alberta makes makes more tax dollars if they had a bigger base. They they make. I, I'm they, just they, saying, we're at the point,
0: especially with the current the current leadership at the LCBO, where we're underserved. We're underserved to get absolutely. interesting wines. So, so and, and and bottle and bottle shops just don't have the. The access or the distribution, like there's, we'll do another podcast on that at another date. So finish, so, finish so, on about. Laura. So the
1: interesting part about about Sumur was the we did it in a, in, in kind of a two tranche uh, kind of way. We had a, a kind of a lunch, which was was more of a tapas, but that's another story. Um, they had a number of producers uh, at this lunch where you could walk to their tables, taste the two or three wines that they had there. Uh, some were Saumur Champigny, some were Saumur Puy-Notre-Dame. Um, you know what? I would say of the, I think we tasted, somebody said we had 60 uh, we had sixty wines that day. I don't know if that's 100% true. Um, but of those wines, there was probably two or three that I was like, eh, I could take it or leave it. Otherwise- haha, ha! Ha ha. You were like, Reading
0: between the lines, a little critical of me and how much I loved Alto IDJ, you had a similar experience in the Loire Valley and you have all that experience.
1: But uh, put it this way, I, and I, and I probably do still have blinders on for because they make such great wine. And I'm like, I don't like, think you do. I don't think you do. That's the thing is, it's
0: just like. I'm sure this probably is a surprise to nobody who listens to this podcast, but you and I like to break each other's balls to make sure that we're being as objective as possible with our content. I think we should. And you know what? You, You and I have both been known to send a text message when your newsletter comes out or something goes up on my website where it's just like that
1: four and a half star score. You sure about that? I think somebody's just killed themselves in your kitchen.
0: No, we're having egg roll in a bowl tonight. Oh, fuck. I love egg roll in a bowl. Oh, and I swore, too. Jeez. That's the second time on this podcast. Actually, I just didn't say anything. So for everyone who doesn't know, this is our second podcast that we've recorded tonight. We did the Alto Adige episode earlier. Michael literally got off the plane from France. Yes. Came straight to my house to drink Italian wine after spending a week in France. Now, let's return to our regular scheduled program.
1: So, so, uh, Samur, again, opened my eyes. Really great wines. Again, Eclipses Chinon. I do not understand how Chinon is the be all and end all of the Loire Valley when you have Bourgueil and you have Sumur and you have Chinon. That's 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 you know. I even I walked through the Paris airport and I decided okay because uh, I, I don't have any wine for the suitcase. I w- I really wanted to just do carry on. Yeah. So, Wait, did, did you fly Air Canada? I did fly Air Canada. Okay, continue. So, I, I just wanted to do carry-on because I didn't want to have to wait for baggage. I, there More times than not, I end up waiting three hours for my baggage, it seems. Uh, and I have a Nexus card, so I'm through everything in 20 minutes, and then I'm just waiting for, like, luggage. It, it kills me. But anyway. Um, I don't so, mind waiting for luggage if I've got six to eight
0: pounds of cheese in it. Well, I decided I had to get to your house... You know, before. oh man, I could have brought cheese as carry on. It's the wine that I had to wait for. Correct, the wine you had to wait for.
1: Um, so I, I, I don't even know where I was anymore.
0: You were, you were going through the Paris airport. You were in love with oh, Cabernet Franc. You yes. wanted.
1: So I'm looking, and obviously they have lots of Bordeaux. They have lots of.
0: Cocaine. Oh, they've got Grand Cru. They've got like Premier Cru. If you want to drop ten grand at the
1: Paris airport, you what, can do it. What do they have for Loire? chinon blew my mind i'm like are you kidding me this is the worst i don't want to call it garbage but i mean it's not good in in retrospect and and i think you said it at the beginning of the podcast where you said god why am i agreeing with andre so much it's killing me where you said i think we've got cabernet franc down yeah, and we I do. I think we have. We do. We're realizing that we have to hang it longer. We yep. have to get ripeness out of it and get the fruit and that tobacco characteristic and that raspberry and get rid of the green bell pepper. And that's the thing is you know, is when you make that... Spinach. When you make that the vineyard... Tomato stock. The vineyard salad. management
0: strategy. When you make that the vineyard management strategy, it makes it easier to fall back in a tough vintage like 19 or 21 where like if your strategy is going in to try to mitigate the underwrite characters in a typical vintage, we're going to have to accept that bell pepper is a part of Cabernet Franc because it's the Bordeaux variety that can handle it if it's well managed. And
1: I, and I, and I, what, and I don't know if I'm going to get him to be able to say it again, but I believe it was Xavier who we are having on the podcast in Borgoy, where we said, where at some point I said, there's no, you know, in his winery as he walk us around, and I said, there's just no bell pepper in your wine. He goes, well, that's underripe fruit. Why are you making wine? Right? And so it was so interesting to hear that finally somebody admits that the bell pepper isn't supposed to be there. It's like, you know, uh, okay, they're okay, okay. okay. saying that Riesling has uh, a. You know, a, a, a not pyrazine, uh, the gasoline yeah, note petrol. two years in, yeah, overripe fruit. That's the problem with Riesling. It's a, if it's too hot, it develops it early. If it's done right, 10 years down the road, yeah, it's supposed to have it, but two years, it's overripe.
0: Yeah, I guess the uh, tiny bit of devil's advocate though is. When you let Franck get too ripe Because you yes, I, Well you, there's California there That's it You you and I We had that Dieter Cab Franc From the Tocolon Vineyard Last year Which I think you and I Both enjoyed But I think we both agreed That it was
1: lacking it was not The Franckness it, Correct It, 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 it just more, becomes Cab Sauve Correct It becomes Cab, Cabernet Sauvignon And obviously because of the parents Right And and it's, and it's interesting If you really think of the parents Of Of Cabernet Sauvignon being, you know, the, uh, uh, that um, uh, Sauvignon Blanc and Cabernet Franc, you know, both of, those, both of those grapes have a tendency to have that kind of greenness to them. And so, you know, Cabernet Sauvignon, you know, underripe as well has that greenness too. But Cabernet Franc, underripe, is really green. And then we went, obviously, to Tours or the Anjou region. Um, Rosé? Rosé? Yes, they do rosé there as well, but we did uh, we did Anjou, and we did Cabernet Franc from there. The, the The weird part about Anjou is they they blend a lot, so a lot of the of the of the Cabernet Cabernet Franc, and I'm I'm doing the air quotes here so that you know you picture me doing air quotes. Okay, Michael is doing air quotes right now. Thank Continue, you very much, Andre. Um, have a lot of other grape varieties in them. They are not doing a lot of 100%. What are the
0: other varieties? Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, okay, so it is Bordeaux varieties. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and actually, the best wine that we tasted at that tasting for Anjou was 90% Cabernet Sauvignon, 10% Cabernet. It didn't even fit the brief. And it was from 2018, which is a great vintage. Then, at lunch, we had, we had one winemaker who did bring in uh, two bottles of hundred percent uh cabernet franc and they were they were very good. I mean it's it's very the thing. very approachable, very drinkable, very easy drinking. But I don't think Anjou uh. has it quite right because yes, I think most of their Cab Franc is going into that Cabernet d'Anjou which is the rose. There was like uh was the cab so ripe? Uh, two thousand eighteen is a very ripe hot vintage for them. You know, it's the other thing too that we're like And so that that was that wine was spectacularly good and stood heads and tails above everything. And then when I looked at the back of the bottle, or you saw the the thing, you were like, okay, I get it. Ripe vintage Cabernet Sauvignon, absolutely.
0: Like I I understand the commitment to trying to stick to the the Cab Francness, but I mean it's the thing that was my takeaway from my very first trip to France, where Anya and I went to Saint Emilion and understanding the power and the influence of Cabernet Franc because. On the right bank, like you have a lot of wines that are 80 percent Merlot, but have five, six, seven percent Cabernet Franc, and the influence that that five, six, seven percent can have. So I can understand like the the philosophical concept behind putting ten percent into ninety percent Cab. So at that point, like I know you were looking for the purity of Cab Franc, and it sounds like that was what was promised to you. But at the same time, like I think there's got to be something to be said like a tip of the hat to the power of Cabernet Franc in a in a well-made blend. And
1: and I, I and I don't take anything away from it, but I think the winery who submitted that wine missed the brief because the brief is we are doing Cabernet Franc and they they submitted a 90% Cabernet And look, the 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 the, the folks that I was on this trip with that I respected are you all, saying
0: you didn't respect everyone on the trip?
1: All of them agreed that that was the best wine, but yes, missed the brief. Mm. Gotcha. Um, so, my, so my takeaway from this, this Cabernet Franc experience of a week in the Loire Valley, was it Chinon, what the hell, Sumeur, really great wines, puis Notre Dame, find those wines. If you have any chance to find anything from pris notre Dame, you're going to have a really sublime experience with Cabernet Franc. And then Bourgois, absolutely. Delicious wines. But how Chinon has this reputation of being so wonderful is absolutely beyond me.
0: Okay. Um, That was a very good book report, Michael. Congratulations, A+. I want to talk to you about like As we wrap here, the stuff that I love to talk about because I love to travel and drink wine as people know about that. Um, Saumur is an A-plus town to stay. Did you stay in Saumur
1: at all? Uh, well, I'm trying to remember. So we stayed in a, in a couple of hotels. Um, I mean, Saumur, I think we were there for two days. Okay, Good did you see the cute,
0: castle? Cute little town. Like
1: the, the castle up on the hill? Was it a fortress or a castle? Uh, big castle.
0: Okay. Big-ass castle. Because
1: we so So believe it or not, and this was the funny part. I don't know if you followed my uh, my posts on Instagram, but we went to Chinon and Chinon would look like a castle, but believe it or not, it's considered a fortress.
0: Okay, so I don't so know then, if Samir's considered a castle, but the thing is so the so the, the, the funny the, part the, is the castle the castle in Saumur, Saumur okay, I'll let is, you finish.
1: Sommeur is a castle.
0: Okay, because because the, the castle in Sommeur like it looks like a Lego set. Like it's got like the four corners and the parapets and like it looks like straight out of Game of Thrones. Like, when you picture a castle in your head, that's what's in Sumer. Correct.
1: So, yes. So, and, the, and so what I started doing is every time we came across a castle in any of these regions, I would post uh, castle or fortress. And it turns out that everything but Chinon was a... Castle? Is a castle. Okay, so... Is a, is a chateau.
0: Look at you and your French. Um, I, I just like talking about, like, the, the tourism angle of it. So the thing is, like, Samir so was a beautiful beautiful place to visit in the summer because it's a place where French tourists go international tourists do not, and also you get treated quite well even like you'll you 'll struggle if you don't speak any French as a tourist that's not part of a junket uh, because a lot of people will not speak English there, but in general, the people are very friendly and open there's great restaurants and bakeries in Samir. So I just wanted to get your impression of like the the tourism side were the hotels you stayed in nice like was the region nice you were there late like very very late summer early fall like harvest like
1: like were were you jazzed to be there in the fall uh, let's put it this way i'm jazzed to be anywhere <laughs> other than ontario
0: no football. no but 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 let, let's be it like so when, when you when you and i travel we do it on other people's dimes correct right. which is like that's one of the perks of the job but like would you spend the money to be there if you had to do the trip that you did?
1: So uh, there was one hotel that uh, I was not a fan of, uh, and that was... It didn't have any internet, and I guess... Yeah, that's bad for journalists. Uh, it, it, it's it's the kiss of death when, when you're a journalist. So, yeah, you
0: can't do work. It puts you a day behind. But
1: I but I but I always assume that anywhere I go, I'm going to find one hotel that's got the internet that is... Not even a snail's pace. It's just it in and out, in and out. So that one wasn't so good. First hotel was good. Second, not so good. Third hotel, I had one hell of a room. I'm going to tell you, I walked in and I ended up having a. And every one of us had a different room. Uh, it, it was a insumer, It was um, uh, something marine. It was right on the water. Uh, every morning I woke up, there was. Fog over the uh, over the uh, the river. Loire, That was the Loire River, yep. and and the other beautiful part. And the Loire River uh, was was really low this year. You could actually see the bottom easily from a lot of places. Yeah, and uh, I had two levels to my room. Oh my god, Michael! So I had a a sitting area. I had the bathroom on the main level, uh, and then upstairs I had three beds. Um, did you sleep in – you were there for two nights. How I took, did you I t- I, Well, uh, one afternoon we got there early and they said you, the afternoon you have off because we got there a little early. I took a nap in one of the beds <laughs> <laughs> and then I slept in the other. The only problem I had with that room is that, the, that you had to go down the stairs to go to the bathroom. So in the middle of the night, you kind of didn't want to risk it. <laughs> no, but that's, but that sounds great. Like I, but it, yeah. it, was, it was, it was absolutely beautiful. And, uh, the nice part is some of the, uh, some of the winemakers from Suimiro who knew me from some of my videos that I've done on their wines gave me bottles that I realized, again, I can't take back cause I want to do, um, I want to do carry on. So I did videos in the room out the window. So I can't wait to see those. You'll love those. They're really quick, uh, so you'll see the like the other vintages. Um, okay, so so the thing and I- we drank we drank them uh, uh, at an Ibis hotel in Paris that was basically it's a dorm uh, for for lack of better look an Ibis hotel is is not terrible it's a step up from a Motel Six but it's a step down from everything else correct it's basically if you went to college it'll bring back memories accurate um. Okay, so I guess key takeaways.
0: Uh, so it sounds like you did have a great experience, but you're in agreement
1: with me that what we're doing with Cab Franc in Ontario, we're already at an international level. We're, I think we're on. Uh, you know, as I as I said, we the Americans were shocked by Cabernet Franc, whereas the Ontario delegation, was <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, we we know this. Like, we, like, show, us, show us what you got. You yeah, know, let's you know, like, like, elevate the game of Cabernet Franc. Okay. And that's that's what Ontario is asking. The U.S. was asking, show us Cabernet Franc. Ontario is asking, elevate the game. Okay, so I want you to end the podcast
0: on this note because when push comes to shove, it comes down to marketing and telling the right story. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question in two parts, and please stay focused. What are we doing wrong in telling the Cabernet Franc story in Ontario, and what do we need to do to convince the sommeliers, because it is the sommeliers in Toronto, who have the keys and will drive the bus to elevate Cabernet Franc in Ontario to the next level, because we're doing it right here, and you heard it here first.
1: So, I think it comes down to... Again, I've I've, got to go back to... I guess what people consider is Cabernet Franc. And Chinon is. I guess it's the mecca of Cabernet Franc. That's what people think of when they think of. And I think. That's wrong. We've got to change that. Yes, we do. We have to. Either Chinon has to change with the times and ripen their fruit, or we have to change what we believe is the. Is, is is the hallmark of what Cabernet Franc is. And it's. I do not think Chinon is it anymore. Because there are very few regions in the world that focus on Cabernet Franc as a single varietal. The two that I can think of is the Loire and Ontario. If you think about it, you, you get the occasional bottle out of Chile. You get the occasional bottle out of California. I think the problem is when people realize the beauty of Cabernet Franc, we're going to see a lot more of it as a single varietal. And Ontario dropped the ball in not telling the story of Cabernet Franc the way we could tell it. I don't think we've dropped the ball yet. I think there's still opportunity for us. I hope there is. But, I mean, while we were selling ice wine and being so thrilled to be able to sell ice wine on an international stage, we should have been saying, you want a pallet of ice wine? You want two pallets of ice wine? Take half a pallet of Cabernet Franc and go sell that. That's what we should have done. We should have packaged the deal and showed them what we were doing with Cabernet Franc. We didn't. We lost that opportunity. Hopefully, we can find it again because I think Cabernet Franc is going to have its day in the sun. And I hope that we, along with regions within the Loire Valley that are doing it right and ripening the grape, Lead the charge on this, and and California, I love your Cabernet Sauvignon, but you do not make Cabernet Franc. You you overripe. That's overripe. This is gonna hurt.
0: I agree with everything you just said. My God, it's my God. The stars are aligning. <laughs> I think the only thing I don't don't agree with is I, I don't think Ontario's firmly established its international. Identity. It, it, the problem
1: is where we're too small. For God's yeah. sake. Well, the, well okay. Alto Alto Adige. Alto Adige is a small region too. Correct. But we make less than one. Like we're Canada, first of all. Yeah. And we make less at Ontario, less than one percent of the world's wine production. Okay. Cool. Okay, okay. That's fine. And you can put a lot of zeros in front of that. Yeah. That's them. fine. That's fine. Whereas I, I, that, Alto Adige is part of Italy, which is in like in the top three for wine production so anybody's listening
0: oh god I hate it when you start making sense like what you're saying is completely true anyways wh- where I was going though is that first impressions are the best and the problem we're going to have as Ontarians and like this is no critique at like what's happening in Ontario now Is just like we hit the stage with ice wine and like we dove into the shallow end of the pool where it's just like yeah ice wine but also like you know, Noir and Cabernet Franc, like you know, you, you don't get to do that. So the thing is, we have an uphill battle to climb to make Absolutely. a good second
1: impression. Which you can do a good second impression, but it's really hard. It's it's tough. Like look at like if you what you have to compare it to is Germany. Like everybody looks at Germany, sweet Riesling, sweet Riesling, sweet Riesling. That's all they think about, it. it's sweet like Riesling, right? And they and they Riesling. do not go anywhere past that sweet Riesling. Although Germany is the second. Largest producer of Pinot Noir sweet in the Riesling. world. Sweet Riesling. Germany. And they're making great Pinot Noir. But Sweet Riesling.
0: Sweet Riesling. Uh, yeah. I think that's a good place as any to wrap up for this week. Uh, I, this is the first time I've done a podcast with you where you spent most of the time talking that I'm not annoyed.
1: Well, I don't know what to say. Monsieur Prou, je suis désolé Que j'ai pas upset you. <laughs> je suis fier de toi, vraiment. Uh,
0: je suis André Prou. Uh, merci de abonner à le podcast et le balado Two Guys Talking Wine, les deux gars qui parlent de vin. Uh, vous pouvez me suivre André Wine Review sur uh, Instagram et Twitter ou X, whatever it's called these days. And, <laughs> uh, merci pour votre attention. And, uh, merci à
1: Michael pour votre effort de parler français pendant le balado. Uh, I am Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWinereview.com. I'd like to thank Valdoka again. Oui, merci à Valdoka pour votre Prosecco qui est supérieur. And, uh, um, je veux dire bonne nuit. Bonne soirée, Au revoir. À la prochaine. Mais! Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.